Thank you, Dan. And I'm feeling really excited this morning because you know when God seems to stitch these services together so that the word that Moses rang and the songs that we sung all fit together with this message. And there's one unified theme in this service. And uh, we're going to get to that unified theme shortly. But to start, before, when I was preparing this message, I thought, in my years at Bible college, I started in 2019, I'm nearly at the end of my three years, what's the most important thing I've learned? And in truth, I've learned a lot about the Bible and theology. I've also learned some strange eating habits. My friend recommended to me dunking my McDonald's chicken in a vanilla milkshake. And I think it's amazing, but a lot of people think I'm very weird. I also, when I'm eating breakfast, have my cereal in one bowl, and then I'll have my milk in another so my cereal doesn't go all soggy. But most people think that's weird, and I'll have the milk as I go. <laughs> and I've managed to shrink a t-shirt in the wash, as I've learned how to do washing. But for me, when I think about what I've learned the most, it's when I've been given a word in season, a word that's spoken to me in that moment. It's that that stuck with me. When someone said something and it's stuck into my heart and it's spoken into my situation. And a piece of advice that sticks out from my time is from Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40. So I'm going to read that today. And it starts with the heading, The Greatest Commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the, in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And those words are so familiar to many of us. We've heard them many times, I'm sure. But the way my tutor, when we were talking about this passage and he t told me about it and the way he unpacked it was new to me. He told me that in order to love your neighbor as yourself, you need to care about yourself. You need to show self-care in order to love your neighbor. And I'd never thought about that before. I always thought of loving your neighbor first. And I never understood that verse in that way previously. And so, so today, I want to think about how do we biblically view self-care? How should we care for ourselves in the world today? And what's fundamental to that is seeing ourselves the way God sees us, as his valued children, as we are all children of God. And when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we are imperfect, broken people who need to repent when we do wrong, absolutely. And we shouldn't be prideful, but we do need to care about ourselves. It's biblical to show self-care. We need to look after and care for ourselves. And if we don't look after and care for ourselves, we're not in a position to look after others. That's because caring for ourselves is the model by which we care for others. 
because when we learn to care about ourselves, we then know better how to meet the needs of others because we share these basic needs. We've all got different personalities um, and likes and dislikes, but we all share basic values the need to be loved and accepted in community. And if we know how to care for ourselves in that way, and we, we know how to love and care for ourselves, then we're going to know how to do that for other people too. So we, the starting point for caring for others is to be able to know how to care for ourselves. And sometimes when we can think about this topic of caring for ourselves, we can think about how Jesus talked about self-sacrifice. How Jesus talks about taking up your cross and following him. And I want to suggest that that is not um, going against this principle of self-care, but rather what Jesus is talking about when he calls us to take up his cross and follow him is saying, don't overindulge in yourself. Don't be self-indulgent. And self-care isn't about being self-indulgent. It's about doing the things and practices that we need to do to live a healthy life. That conversation that I had with my tutor in which he shared this passage and this way of understanding, loving your neighbor as yourself, came almost a year ago when we were in that funny time of the pandemic where certain things were allowed and certain things weren't. And he was saying, in the restrictions that are in place at the, t the moment when he was speaking to me, make sure you do what you need to do to care for yourself. Whilst those things are in place, take time for yourself and take time to be with God in order that you have that time where you can spend replenishing yourself. So the question that I hope to answer today in this sermon is, what does it look like in our world today to care for ourselves? What does it look like to care for ourselves in a world in which it seems like we're coming out of this pandemic and we seem to be getting busier and busier? How do we care for ourselves now? And in a world in which there is a war in Ukraine, how do we care for ourselves and how do we approach that? Because without this self-care, we can't care for others in the way we should. So I'm going to um, pick out three main passages that look at this principle of self-care. And the first one is one verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And it's sandwiched in between two stories and it says this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew and took time to be alone with his heavenly father. This got me thinking, what personality type would Jesus be? If Jesus did one of these online personality type questionnaires where he fills in all his um, characteristics, would he, what would he come up with? Some people who are more introverted, it comes up as spend time alone to recharge, whereas some of us need to recharge by being with other people. Where would Jesus be on that spectrum? I don't really know. I can't answer that question. But what I can say is that we all need to be spending time with our Heavenly Father. Jesus went to a lonely place, but he wasn't alone. He was with God the Father. And as I said, this verse is sandwiched in between two stories. It's sandwiched in between Jesus healing a man with leprosy and Jesus healing a paralyzed man. And so you could almost blink and miss this verse. And there are at least six other occurrences in Luke's gospel alone of Jesus withdrawing to pray in a similar way. And as we've gone through this season and we've come out of this pandemic, I found that 
And the habits that I've got into of going for walks, of spending time alone, of taking that daily exercise, they can be the first things you neglect as we get busier and busier. We can neglect that time to be alone with God and withdraw to those quiet places. William Hendrickson said about this verse that this withdrawal also had a positive purpose, namely to pour out his heart in prayer in order that the reservoirs of his body and soul might be replenished from his father's inexhaustible resources. We're replenished by God's inexhaustible resources when we receive from him and spend that time alone. And I want to suggest today that this church service is not enough for us to be replenished because this church service is about giving to God. We sang today, not to us, but to your name. We lift up all praise. When we're singing in worship, when we're singing sung worship, we're not singing for us, but we're singing to worship God. That's, that's the goal of our worship. That's to give the praise and the glory to him. It's not to us. And so we want to do that in church, and so many of us are serving in different ways today, and that's also giving God the glory by doing that. Whether on the sound desk, whether it's the people in kids' zone, in whatever way we're serving God, we're giving God the glory today through doing that. And so this church, church service, I think, is so much more than just about receiving, but it's about giving to God. And so we also need to spend time alone with God in order that we might receive. This can't be our weekly top-up, but we need to spend those alone times with God in order that we might receive from the Father's inexhaustible resources. When we come to God in prayer, we're always going to receive because it's, those resources are inexhaustible. They're inexhaustible. Well, when I say this about the importance of withdrawing to spend time with God, I recognize that we don't always make time for that. And we can sometimes get so busy that it's hard to make that time. Or it's hard to make that time when we've actually got any energy left. We've got to the end of the day caring for children and we just feel exhausted. And that when we spend that time, it's not very good quality time. And what I want to say is that God sees where you're at. When you struggle to fit those times in and it's late in the day you have to do it or it's early, God's not judging you, but God is gracious to you. God is thankful for the way you're serving your family and the way you're caring for your children or you're caring for your elderly relatives. God is thankful for that. And God's spurring you on. And if that means you have to spend a time late in the evening, and you have to get in a certain rhythm of withdrawing to spend time with God that's not as regular as you might like it to be, God is gracious, and God sees where you're at. God knows all your circumstances and your situations. The second thing I want to look at is the principle of the Sabbath. Um, and I'm going to read from Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11, in which it talks about the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. It says... Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So I want to ask the question, what does this concept of Sabbath mean today? And that's quite a controversial question, I'm aware, because some people stick to having one day off quite rigidly and will not do certain things on that day, where others interpret the Sabbath day today as something a lot more loose. And so I want to look at that together. And a helpful analogy I found, which a guy called Robinson used, is that of a toy that requires AA batteries. If you want to get enjoyment out of that toy, you put the AA batteries in. If you were going to put AAA batteries in, the toy's not going to work, and you're going to get no enjoyment out of the toy. And so to get enjoyment out of time off, we need to put certain things in place. In the New Testament, we see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And the authorities at the time were frustrated by this. And I think they'd misunderstood the purpose of the Sabbath. They've got so caught up in the things to do and not do that they didn't allow someone to receive healing on the Sabbath day. Well, they, they didn't, couldn't stop it, but they didn't want it to happen. Therefore, to me, the way I understand this is that there's an important underlying principle of rest. There's an important principle of spending time, whether that be for a whole day, or whether we can only do that for half a day, or a certain period of time, spending time in rest. And that doesn't have to be us just lying in bed or, and listening to some music or just sleeping. But rest can look like going for a walk. It can look like spending time with family, going for lunch with friends. Those are things that can all be restful for us to do. And that might be difficult, obviously, depending on our circumstances, too, how we're living in a household where different people have different times of rest and work. It can be difficult to, spe- to find that time where we're all free to spend time resting together. And I recognize that's a challenge. Earlier this week, I was reading an article about um, a museum in Stockholm based around Avicii, the musical artist. And he was a musician who committed suicide in 2018. And he struggled with his mental health and the demands placed on him through touring and that were put on him by the music industry. So he clearly had a troubled life. And I don't agree with all the things and the lyrics he wrote, but I found it interesting what one of the co-founders of this new museum said about his mental health. He said this, don't let young artists work 14 days in a row without resting, fly all over the continent back and forth. They should pause, sleep, and rest. And I think what that co-founder of the museum recognized is a need that we all have to pause, sleep, and rest. So whatever we're doing, are you finding time to pause, sleep, and rest this week? When are you going to find that time to pause, sleep, and rest? And that mention of sleep's interesting too. Are we getting that enough time to spend sleeping? Because that can really affect our mood and our rest too. The final principle and the, the final passage I want to look at concerning self-care is just a few chapters earlier in Exodus. And I'm going to read from Exodus 18, verses 14 to 21. And this is when Jethro has come to Moses, Moses' father-in-law, 
and he gives Moses some advice, and he says this. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do, you do, why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand round you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me on either side between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you alone. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God. And bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And you can imagine Moses being so worn out, having to answer all these disputes, having to, having to seek God's will on every little matter that happened and that was brought to him. He'd be working tirelessly each day in order to do this and in order to fill out his responsibility. So Jethro came in and said, you're just doing too much, Moses. And he highlights this important principle of delegation that actually we need to share our responsibilities with others. And this principle of delegation is important for us today. If you could imagine if everything, even the really tiny little decisions, had to be consulted with Dan and Andy, no one would ever get anything done. Of course, we consult the big important decisions, but say Rachel had to, when she's leading the youth work, consult Andy and Dan on every game that she decided to play of the children and young people, then that would take ages to get anything done. Rachel can make the decision on what game to lead herself. And so we trust people with certain responsibilities and that can alleviate the burden on us. And depending on the positions that we're in, it can be helpful to delegate to people. In verse 18 of this chapter, Jethro says, you and these people that come to you will only wear yourself out. And I find it that interesting that Moses doesn't figure out this on his own, but Jethro tells him. It wasn't through Moses reflecting on his own practices that he came to this realization that he was doing too much. That would be a good thing to do, to reflect on what we're doing. But rather, it required someone he trusted, his father-in-law, to speak that to him, to say, you're doing too much. And I really relate to that, that sometimes when we're really in a difficult situation, we can get so stuck inside our own head that it takes that trusted friend to speak clarity into that situation. And it can be so helpful when we've got those friends to say, you're doing too much because otherwise we can just get stuck inside our own heads. And I wonder if there's someone here today who you feel is just doing too much, 
You're going to wear yourself out if you carry on the way that you are. Is there a family member, a friend you're with today who you can say, you're wearing yourself out? And what would be even better is if you can say, this is the solution, or I can take on that burden for you. I can lessen that burden. So are you doing things that will wear yourself out? Of course, it's good to work, but are you overworking yourself? Self-care is something we need to take personal responsibility for, but it's also something in which we can be encouraged within community. We do it in community, and we care for others in community. And we can teach each other and instruct each other. So right now, before I invite the band to come up, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to discuss this with whoever's next to you. How are you caring for yourself this week? What are your practices, and what do you have in place that you do to care for yourself? And think about how you withdraw, spend time with God, spending those times in rest, and think about what you're doing in your week-to-week life and how you're spending time in rest. So I encourage you, how are you caring for yourself today? I encourage you to talk to the person next to you. And if you're online and you've got someone to talk to next to you, that's great. But also if you're watching on your own online, I'd encourage you maybe to journal and write down what you're going through and how you're caring for yourself this week.